Hey Westside family, my name is Eric Johnson and I serve on the production team. Thanks for joining us for this week's message. We hope you are blessed by what God has been speaking to us through our pastors and leaders, and we pray this leads you into an even more intimate relationship with Jesus. Love you guys and enjoy. Well, I'm uh, honored and, and privileged to get to bring you the word today on a, uh, again on a Sunday morning. Um, uh, I, don't, I don't take that lightly to be able to come up here and, and uh, share the pulpit with our pastor because he's an awesome guy. He's a great man and he always brings a, uh, an awesome word. And um, so I'm, I'm just honored and blessed this morning to be able to come up here and share the word with you guys. And I am going to be giving you guys a lot of scripture this morning. There's going to be a lot of scripture this morning, but that's okay. There's, there's one thing that I've learned that I can stand up here and talk till I'm blue in the face, but that's not going to change anything. What's going to change us is the word of God. That's what changes things. That's what, that's what goes out and does what it's supposed to do, the Bible says. Amen? So I'm going to be giving you a... Uh, quite a bit of scripture, but this message is a, I believe it's a good message. I've been working on it for a little over a month. Um, it was right on time to be able to give it um, to you this morning, and this message challenged me a little bit. Um, as working on it, as the Holy Spirit was dealing with me, as I'm going through my notes and putting it together, I was, I was challenged by what God was giving me. And that encouraged me, and, and, and I'm hoping that that's my goal today, for what we're going to talk about to challenge you, to challenge our hearts. Bring up Hebrews 4.12. For the word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit. Joints and marrow, it judges the thoughts and attitudes of the heart. So let the word of God judge the attitudes of our heart this morning. Amen? So the me my message this morning is called Wholeheartedly. And we're going to talk about what it means to follow God wholeheartedly. What does that look like? What does that mean? And while I was putting this message together, this other question just kept popping up. And... I really veered off from the wholeheartedly, but then the Lord ended up bringing them back together. But this is a question that we're going to talk about, that we're going to see if we can answer this morning through the word of God. Is believing enough? Is just believing in God enough to get you to where you need to be? We're going to start at Romans 10, 9 and 10. You got Romans 10, 9 and 10? If you declare with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess your faith and are saved. How many believe that? In the name of Jesus. That's, that, that is God's word. If you call out on the name of Jesus, you're saved. If you confess your sins before him, you're saved. Now, I believe that. You read the rest of this, you go down a few more scriptures, and what, what the context of this verse 
is exactly what it says, but it's also Paul is, is speaking to the Romans and, and he's, he's telling the, the Gentiles in Rome, the church, the believers in Rome, he's telling them, you know what, it doesn't matter your race. It doesn't, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your background. None of that matters. It doesn't matter your last name. None of that matters. It doesn't matter if you're a Jew or not. You, through Jesus Christ, can be saved. That is, that is what Paul is saying here. And I like to say, period. You, all you got to do is call out the name of Jesus. Confess and believe and you will be saved because that's what it says. But I also believe that there's more to it. I believe there's more to it than just believing. And this can get into a, a, a really good discussion with some people because there are some people, I mean, whole doctrines have been built on this one scripture. That all you have to do is believe and you're good. And I, I disagree with that. Because I just don't think that I could still go out and live the way that I used to live, even though I believe in God and be okay. I, I, I just, I really don't believe that. I, I, I believe that the things that I read in scripture that talk about sin, even simple ones as gossip and grumbling and backbiting, those, they won't inherit the kingdom of God. So I, I have to think to myself, that there, there has to be more than just believing in God. But I also believe that for some people, Romans 10.9 is absolutely enough. And what I mean by that, let me explain. What I mean by that is we've all, we have all heard, heard maybe stories or have experienced this ourselves with a loved one or an acquaintance who never knew God who maybe they get sick or they get a, a terminal illness or something, you know, and in the last days of their life, a, a pastor goes and visits them at the hospital and they accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And the next day they go home. Guess what? Romans 10.9 was enough. It was absolutely enough. If you, if you think about the thief on the cross, the thief on the cross, he, he never got a chance to do anything else but believe in Jesus. Right? The thief on the cross looked at Jesus and knew that there was something different about this man. And when he said, would you remember me? What did Jesus say? Absolutely, I'll remember you. But before the end of the day, you're going to be with me in paradise. You know, the, the thief on the cross, was nev he never got a chance to take communion. He never got a chance to be baptized. He never got a chance to do any more than just believe. This is why I believe that for some people, Romans 10.9 is absolutely enough. Second Peter 3.9 Said the Lord, says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with, with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He's patient with those that, that live however they want to live and find him on the side of the road while they're taking their last breath after a car accident. 
those, those that find him in, in the wee hours of the night and then something happens while they're asleep and God takes them home. Romans 10.9 is absolutely enough in those moments. I can promise you that because God doesn't want anybody to perish. And as long as your heart is in the right spot, when you confess and believe, Romans 10.9 is absolutely enough. Amen? But for you and I, right now, living for Christ every day, I believe there's more to it for me and you. A disciple is a follower of Jesus Christ. I believe there is absolutely, we have to do much more work than, than just believing. Romans 10.9 is the foundation of our salvation. It is the starting point. Believing in Christ, you, you can go no farther unless you believe. That's the first step, believing and confessing. That is the foundation of our salvation. What are foundations made for? To be built upon. Foundations are made to be built upon. And we need to build upon Romans 10.9. We need to be building on that foundation. Some of the people that I talked about, like the thief on the cross, you see, he never got a chance to build on that foundation. He never got the chance, but it was still enough. But I know for me and you, and I believe with all of my heart, that for us right here from here on out, if, if you're hearing this message right now, right now from here on out, just build. Just start building. Start building on that foundation of salvation. I have a, uh, the story. You can bring up Deuteronomy 1, uh, verses 30 through 36. But leading up to this, this scripture in Deuteronomy, Moses, he's talking to the children of Israel. And he tells them <clears throat> all the things that God has has done for them to get them to this point. He has, he's brought you out of Egypt. He's given you, uh, done all these miracles for you that you have seen, that you have witnessed. You know that you're his children. All the things that he has done for you. And, and, and here you are looking at the promised land and he tells him, go take it. This is what I have promised you. This is why I brought you here for this promise. Go and take it. And it's, you know, they send some spies and they come, they decide, no, that they can't do it. And so we get to this, this script, this part of the story here. And it says, the Lord, your God, who is going before you will fight for you as he did for you in Egypt. Before your very eyes, he, before their very eyes, they saw it. They saw him. They saw every plague that was sent. They were, these, were, these were believers. These were God's children. They saw the things that he did. And in the wilderness, there you saw how the Lord your God carried you as a father carries his son. He carried them as a father carried his son. All the way you went until you reached this place, in spite of this, you did not trust in the Lord your God who went ahead of you on your journey, in fire by night, in cloud by day, to search out places for you to camp and to show you the way that you should go. When the Lord heard what you said, he was angry and solemnly swore, no one from this evil generation will see the good land I swore to give your ancestors, except Caleb, son of Jephunneh. 
he will see it. And I will give him and his descendants the land he set his feet on because he followed the Lord wholeheartedly. These were God's children that he rescued out of Egypt, that he brought forth out leading them into the promised land. He had, he had done everything possible for them, leading them up to this point. He carried them as a father carried their, his son. They believed that he was God. That they, they knew him. Even probably more, I don't want to say more so than we do because we have the Holy Spirit living us in now, but I mean they actually witnessed the splitting of the Red Sea. They witnessed these, these miracles and these things that God did for them. They were believers, yet none of them get to enter into the promised land except for Caleb and Joshua and the, and the rest of them, but because Caleb followed God wholeheartedly. And we have to understand something here that, that this, this, this story is, is also rep, it's, it's representational of us right now. It's, it's a representation, and it's a, it's, I don't know if I should say precursor, but it's, it's, it's representational of another, another story. You see, there was a, 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 one of the last things that they did in, in Egypt before God pulled them out of there is he was going to kill the firstborn of, of, of all of Egypt. And he said, you sacrifice a lamb and you put that blood on your doorpost. And when the angel of death comes, it's going to pass over your home. And you're going to be saved. Well, guess what? Jesus is our Passover lamb. Jesus is our Passover lamb. And the blood that was shed on the cross is written on the doorposts of our heart. And what did it do? It pulled us up out of Egypt. It pulled us up out of death and into life. Just like, just like the story of the children of Israel being taken out of Egypt, we have been taken out of death. Right now, we're in a little wilderness on earth. We're just waiting for that promised land. And I, when, I, when, I, when I was seeing this and putting it, I was like, man, I don't want to be like these believers that, that do all these things for the Lord, but just really not put my heart into it. And be like these believers who don't get to go into the promised land. I want to follow God wholeheartedly. I want us to, to be able to learn how to do that. How to follow God wholeheartedly so we don't, we don't miss that promise. Amen? Bring up James 2, 18 and 19. But someone will say, you have faith, I have deeds. Show me your faith without deeds and I will show you my faith by my deeds. You believe that there is one God good. Even the demon, demons believe that and shudder. More other translations use the word works. And what kind of works are we as followers of God? What kind of works are we, are we producing? Are we producing the kind of works that, that are coming from a heart that is following God wholeheartedly? Because I, I can promise you that it doesn't matter what you do or what you say. If your heart is not in the right place with God, nothing ma it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do for God. We're, I'm going to prove that later. It doesn't matter. If, you, if you're not 
in right standing with God and following him with all of your heart, the things that you do, they're, they're, they're kind of pointless. How can you go and give money to a homeless person and walk back and say, man, this guy needs to get a stinking job. I'm tired of doing this. You can't grumble. And that good deed is, I mean, come on. You can't help somebody out and then, man, this guy always calls me, wants to use my this and this and blah, 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 and blah. How is that even doing something good for somebody? That's not, that's not right, right? You guys kind of, you understand what I'm saying? If your heart is not in the right spot, there's, God judges, the word of God says it judges the intent of the heart. And if your heart is not in the right spot, we've got some issues, amen? So, also the word of God says you're going to know them by their fruit. That means that we can, we're to be producing some good fruit, but that also means that we can produce bad fruit. Because there, there's people who are producing bad fruit, and the Bible says you're going to know those, that those people are evil and those people are bad by the fruit that they produce. We need to be producing the right kind of fruit. Amen? The fruit of the Spirit is love, it's joy, peace, goodness, mercy, compassion, all these, these things, these things that we need to be producing. And that is so much more than just believing in God. Just believing in God has nothing to do with producing, well, of course it does, but you can't just believe in God and think that you don't have to put in any other work. Is the point that I'm trying to make with this. That's just, that is, it's just not, it's not scriptural. Let's look at, at Mark 12, 29, 31. The most important, this is Jesus telling the most important commandment of all. This is it. These are the most important it's to hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. If Romans 10.9 was enough, why would we even have anything else? <laughs> Why didn't God just give us that in a scroll? <laughs> That's all it takes. Just believe in me, confess your sins, live for yourself however you want, and that'll be enough. Because that's not enough. For some, yes, like I said, but for you and me, we got to put in some work. Loving God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, that is everything that you are. That is, that is everything. Do you know what the Bible says about love? How love is putting others first. It's not counting the costs. And it goes on and on and on. That's the kind of love that it's talking about here. When you put your neighbor first. Putting your neighbor first and loving them, loving a stranger like you love yourself, that's a lot more work than just believing in God. Amen? It takes some work on our part. It's going to cost us something. There are absolute costs for me and you to follow God wholeheartedly. There are costs. Luke 14, 26 and 29. If anyone comes to me and does not hate Father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, 
Search. Next slide. Such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Suppose one of you wants to build a tower. Won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it? For if you lay the foundation and are not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you. He's not saying we have to hate our family. That's not what that scripture means. What that scripture means is that we need to put God first. God needs to come number one in our life before our mother, before our father, before our children, before our spouses. God needs to be number one. That's what that scripture is saying. And he's also saying that there are some costs to following him. You're going to have to count those costs. You got to pick up your cross every day. That means work. It's going to take a little work on our part, some effort to follow Jesus wholeheartedly. Caleb had to put in work <clears throat> to follow God with all of his heart, with all of his soul, with all of his mind, with all of his strength. <clears throat> you know, when you follow God wholeheartedly, Every, every demon in hell is going to come after you, the child of God. If you are a child of God living for him, waking up in the morning and doing your best to walk in his ways, there is a target on your back and every demon in hell wants to destroy you. He wants to steal from you. He wants to kill you. He wants to, he wants to steal from your, he wants to kill your children. If he can't get to you, I'm going to go at anything else around him that he loves. I'm going to do anything that I can to take his focus off the one true living God. I'm going to distract him with his phone. I'm going to distract him with TV shows. I'm going to distract him with vacations and trips. I'm going to distract him with money. I'm going to distract him with every single thing that I can so that he can't follow God wholeheartedly. So that he can't live for God wholeheartedly. It takes work for us to live for God wholeheartedly. We got to put in that work. You can't, you can't have a warrior without a fight. You can't have a victory without a battle. And you can't be a conqueror without a conquest. And the Bible says that we are all three of those things. We are victorious. We are warriors. Amen? Amen. And we are conquerors in the name of Jesus. And we, we can't have those things without a fight and without a battle. We got to put in the work to be able to follow God wholeheartedly. We can't, we can't teeter-totter. That's why, that's why I believe that just believing in God is just not enough for you and I as disciples and followers of Christ. Revelations 3, 15 and 16. I know your deeds, that you are neither hot, cold nor hot. I wish you were either one or the other. So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. What is lukewarm? This is the church of, of, of Laodicea that, Je that Jesus is speaking to here. This is believers who have grown lukewarm. They're, 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 they're people who believe in God. They're in the church, but they're in the middle. You got the hot ones over here and you have the cold ones over here. 
So they got one foot in the world and they've got one foot in the church. With one foot trying to live for God, but with the other foot, I'm going to do live for myself and hang on to these things because even these little sins, because these are the ones that I like. So I'm just going to hang on to these things. That is what being lukewarm is. We don't need to be a lukewarm Christian. We don't need to just sit back and think just believing in God and not doing anything else, not putting in any kind of work is going to get us to heaven. Even if I am wrong, I don't want to take a chance. I'm not going to risk eternity on a, on a question like this. I believe what the word of God shows us and tells us is that we have to put in some work. The whole word of God is instruction on how we are to live. And to live the way that it instructs us to live takes a lot of work and a lot of building on that foundation of salvation at the beginning. Amen? Amen. It takes a lot of work. One of the things that I was thinking about, about a lukewarm Christian, I was thinking about the excuses that even I myself come up with so many times. And this is one of the areas that I thought about and, and, and it really challenged my heart and checked the intentions of my heart. I was thinking about uh, Luke, in Luke 14, the, the story of uh, the banquet feast. And the master of the banquet, he sends out all these invitations to all his friends and all the people that he know who are invited. He invites them to come and feast at his banquet. He, is, he has prepared the, the feast, the food is ready, and no one shows up. And he tells his servants, he says, didn't you go out and give out the invitations? Didn't you go out and, and, and tell them that I've prepared a feast for them? Why aren't they here? He says, well, this one said that he just bought a field and he's got to plow it. This one said that he just got married. This one said he's got, a, he's got his oxen already, already got the, the yoke upon him. He's got to work in his garden. Every single one of them had an excuse why they didn't show up. Invi invitation invited. That's you and me. Jesus has prepared a banquet for us to feast at. Even here on earth. He's prepared a table for us in the presence of our enemies. Right now here on earth, we can feast the blessings that he pours out upon us. We're not absent from blessing, even though we're, we're I like to call the wilderness of this earth, awaiting the, the, the rapture or, or awaiting our, our, next, our next adventure when we get to heaven. We can't make excuses. We can't be lukewarm. We've got to love God with all our heart, with all our mind, with all our soul, with all our strength. That's why for me, I just feel like it's a lot more than just believing in God. Uh, for, me, it, for me, it takes a lot more work being put in after that moment of, of salvation. It takes a lot more work. The worship team, if you guys want to come up. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope God spoke to you personally through this message and continues to encourage you throughout the coming weeks.